Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carl and Sean. Carl, it's good to have you back, first of all. Oh, man, thanks, you. Sean. I'm, uh, I was, uh, I, you know, I don't even know if I was allowed to come back on because you guys had, what, an hour and a half of basketball talk. I mean, it was just wall to wall. College of course, you didn't include Chris Solari, our intrepid uh, Michigan State beat writer. Of course, Chris, needs his, own, had, Chris needs his own spot. He can't be sharing the spotlight. Graham had yeah, to share true. with it. I, I, I already right, share right. a spotlight. So, I already share a spotlight with Graham on the on our Spartan Speak podcast. So yeah, but you don't have a third. I'm used so, to that. Yeah, yeah, no, you I'm can't. Used to. We, we've yeah. had we, we've been had as many as five people in that room. Okay, uh, and I okay. think you were one of them. Yeah, right. So, listener, I was. Uh, yeah, five. So, listener, that's of course Chris Solari's voice that you hear. Our uh, fabulous beat writer covers Michigan State uh, for the Detroit Free Press everything about Michigan State, right? Not just football and basketball. You do all of it. Volleyball, ice hockey, field I hockey. I have done all of it. I know you I have done pretty much everything. I know you from, have. Right? From hockey to baseball to volleyball to women's basketball. Um, you're a man about town. Many, so, But that's not yeah. why you're here today. Um, you're here to talk about Michigan State. You are in New York City where the Michigan State Spartans men's basketball team is. Getting ready for uh, Thursday's game, Sweet 16 game against in the East Regional against Kansas State. Um, so we're going to get your thoughts on that. When, when we're done talking about Michigan State, if we have some time, we're going to get into the free agency. Carl's has some thoughts on the Lions and how they're probably going to win two, three games next year. So we're all very excited to hear those thoughts. When we'll, if they're when lucky, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. If they're lucky when we get to that. But uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. It's it's good to have you. It's been a while since you've been in this show. Um, Quite a while. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. And we got Carl's back. So so let's roll. So what the heck, man? The Spartans are in the Sweet 16. There's no way you thought that they were going to be here after they lost to Ohio State at the Big Ten tournament, are you? Or did you? Uh, it, it, I, I thought it possible. I mean, because probably all the way back in January, once that seven game win streak came to an end and you started to see the dips and dives of this team, you you thought something like this could be possible, but because you saw the defense at an elite level, but they couldn't score. And then you started to see them score and then they couldn't guard anybody. So you thought if they're able to put this together somehow, maybe they will, maybe they won't. So it's kind of been that roller coaster ride where you're just kind of along for it, assuming that at some point it could change, and it probably did at the right point. I, I really think that that Ohio State game served as a wake-up call for them, and we saw two of the, probably the two best defensive performances of the season blended with some offense. Uh, you know, seventy-two and I, I believe sixty points. So they they were able to to get some production uh, on the offensive side and pair it with the defense, and that's why they're here in New York. Well, Chris, obviously you have not been reading Sean Windsor's columns in the free press because he saw this the whole time. Uh, I, I think know. it was it was around the Big Ten tournament when Sean was uh, uh, having dinner with uh, uh, Tom and Lupe Izzo and she was spoon-feeding them Gerber's baby food or whatever and uh, explaining the whole thing. Um, the 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 What was it? Uh, let's use the Sean word, the, the zeitgeist. Never used that basketball. word. That's a Carl's word. You've used it many times. Don't lie. Not I'm going to do a library search and that find word. it. That's a Carl's word. It must have and, been your uh, doppelganger. Yeah, a double. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean, Sean saw this the whole time. You know, uh, you know, intrepid columnist and uh, I'm not going to say apologist, but uh, no, you know, he sees the bright side of everything. He knew it was coming. If they just come together, if they find themselves and, you know, so, so Sean, you, in fact, 
let's let's have a prediction right now, Sean. How far are the Spartans going in the in, in the tournament? I don't know that they're going to go much farther than this. Um, <laughs> I did. I have thought for most of the year since I saw him play Gonzaga, actually, but especially Kentucky. Although you know, you you never know with those early games because you don't know how good the other teams are. But I have thought they've had a chance to be good. I thought this back in the summer. I remember actually thinking about this when they played Duke because they, you know, Duke was really, really good last year, Final Four team, and they were up by five with three minutes to go. And I knew they were going to probably lose Max Christie and a couple of guys at graduation, Gabe Brown. But you could just, I thought it was because of A.J. Hogarth, to be honest with you, Chris. The way he yeah. played in last year's tournament, and he has not really been back at that level until recently. He was shown flashes of it. So, you know, maybe that's just my nature too, but you see the possibility in things. And I think fan fans and fan bases and, you know, you know, certain columnists want to make declarations in, in, in any given moment instead of letting play th- things play out. I mean, I, I actually thought this the same in Michigan and took a lot of flight for that. They ended up kind of wiping out against Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament, but they had played decent ball the few weeks before that. So you just never know, right? Right, Chris? They're young. You don't know what's coming. Um, well, especially it, it, right now because everything that you've seen around the college basketball world, this is just how it's been. I mean, teams are a little bit older. Um, you're seeing older teams that have either had transfers, grad transfers, or extra year COVID guys kind of ascend a little bit more and and probably close the gap maybe if they aren't necessarily as talented versus a team that's got experience. And I think this team has a little bit of talent and a lot of experience. And, you know, you you mentioned about the Duke game last year. I think down the stretch last year, when they started running Hogard and Tyson Walker together, because they were splitting the point guard role last year for much of the season. Because of Max Christie, because of Max Christie, but when they started running those two together, you started to see the chemistry that I think has really carried this team throughout this season. And sometimes it's it's all been dependent on whether which version of AJ Hogarth right. shows up. I mean, is is it the guy who's looking to set up everybody around him and attack the basket, or is the guy that's settling for jump shots thinking he's a three point shooter? Well, okay, Chris not, and I disagree on that, but, but that that's the issue with Hogarth. But before we get to that, Carl's, what's your, what's your next uh, thought here? Question. Well, you know, you're mentioning, Chris is mentioning the, you know, the, the younger teams and, you know, more experience. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of what I saw a little bit in the Marquette game was that's a, that was a younger team. And they, they looked rattled right off the bat. They just seemed in that first half, just not sure of themselves. And you could just see the poise of Michigan State, you know, a little bit of, of an older team, you know, more experience. You could see the poise that they were playing with and sticking to their identity, you know, sound defense and, it changed in the second half, but but you could see that. I think, you know, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but going against K-State, K-State's an old team, man. They've got a lot of seniors on that team. They're, they just took down Kentucky. They're not going to be rattled, you know? And that's the thing where this is, to me, this is the big game for them, the hump of can they beat a team that's feeling good about themselves, took down a blue blood, and they they have a lot of experience. And maybe my favorite coach in the NCAA tournament, by the way, um, uh, so that 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 should be a fun matchup. But what do you think? I mean, is it how much right now does experience matter? You know, at this moment of the tournament, I'll defer to the experienced uh, sage here on this one. Well, first, first of all, Kansas, Kansas State's coach, when asked 
what the difference was in the game against Kentucky is that we have more dudes. <laughs> yeah, so Kansas State has uh, has a great coach, Jerome Tang, and what he said about Kentucky is going against the Blue Bloods and, you know, that that uh, for, uh, program experience and all that. Um, he said all those old dudes that play for Kentucky, they ain't coming back, right? Tradition does not help you if you do not get out there on the floor and play with some dudes. And we had more dudes than they had today. So it's just a great quote. It's a fun program to watch. Uh, you know, it's going to it's gonna be hard to kind of root against them, right? No, they're fun. As far as experience, Chris, um, we have not seen a young team win the title since, what, 2015? When Duke did it with Jamel Okafor yeah. and Grayson Allen and Tyus Jones and um, the, the, who was the forward? Uh, Justice Winslow. I was, I was trying to think of the other. They, yeah, those four freshmen. Yeah. Now they had a couple of couple of upperclassmen on that team that played a lot that were really important. But but I think there's a reason for that. What is it? Seven years, eight years since that's happened. Yeah. You know, Carlos was talking about Marquette. Marquette's young, but they're not young like that. They they they're play. They had defensive player of the year, regular player of the year. I think those guys were at least sophomores. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah three really juniors and two sophomores. Yeah, so that, yeah, so three, so that's a fairly experienced team, um, but it's not seniors, right? You know, I mean, Tyson Walker's a, a transfer, and last year had to find his way a little bit. Chris, you and I have talked a lot about this. And he had to convince himself yeah. that he belonged at the Big Ten level. We saw he started playing yeah. better at the end of the year, and this year he's been great for the most part. Um, and and yeah. uh, you know nearly willed them to win over Purdue, for example. Yeah. So so yeah. Joe and Joey House is about thirty five years old. He is, and, and he, <laughs> he really has that he, old man He's game. he's uh, in his, it's what a great story he is. We saw him just completely yeah. break down on the court after the Marquette win. And this is a guy that thought about giving up basketball, right? Yeah. Not that long did. ago, and and with so in his head, he'd be out on the court. You know, he, when when he and I talked when I wrote that column last week, he he said, "Hey, I'm out there. I, I wasn't playing." You know, he would be if he missed a shot, he'd be afraid to take the next shot. He was so worried; he was always looking over his shoulder. Not not necessarily because of Izzo, just in general, he couldn't get out of his way. So, so when you're talking about experience, that matters too, right? Guys that yeah. find peace, guys that find confidence. The find, yeah, and you can. I mean, just talking to just talking to Joey Hauser. I mean, we had a, a long conversation because the NCAA is using different Wilson basketballs this year for the tournament that hasn't been used in a gameplay. We started talking about the different types of balls that, that Michigan State uses during practice because they run out every other time. And Joey Hauser's apparently an expert on every single ball that's used at every single place by every single brand. <laughs> I mean, that that conversation doesn't happen a year or two ago because he was very tense, very tight, and, and he just seems very relaxed with himself and who he is. Sometimes and I think that's – and it's interesting, too, the, the difference in comfortability between Joey Hauser being like that and Tyson how Tyson Walker uh, being maybe a little more tightly wound and thriving from that because he was asked today uh, by a number of reporters in the New York media about everything his New York memories favorite pizza places <laughs> he didn't want anything to no, do he with didn't. it he he just he he's he, he I think he is just in play basketball mode because that's some one of the things that I've heard from him for the last couple of weeks I just want to Play basketball. Real quickly you know, about Hauser before before Carlos goes here. When they played Marquette, he he was primarily guarded by his first name escapes me. Uh, the defensive player of the year in the Big East, uh, Pro- Prosper. Yeah, Prosper. He's got a, he got a two first names. So. Yeah, is who was who didn't let Hauser breathe? Right, I think he 
took two threes maybe in the entire Olivier, game. Olivier Maxence yeah, okay, prospered. Okay, there you go. That's why that's why we need you, Chris. I mean, among many other reasons. But so think about this. He's shooting at a nearly 50% clip from three this year. Has just been made one big shot after another in the last month, just in a total flow. It gets into the game and can't breathe. Has no space to shoot. Gets a couple of them off early. And then with, what, three minutes to go, whenever it was, finally gets a tiny bit of room in the corner and lets it go and makes it. That's what we're talking about, right? You know how hard that is to make that shot after getting hounded all – you get your chance and you you don't hesitate. So, yes, to your points about experience, to me that's experience, and that matters. Hey, do you guys – question about the, the Tyson Walker stuff. As I saw that on Twitter about, you know, he's not answering these questions and whatever um, – I think I think the whole team is from uh, Harlem, from from K State. So I'm sure did, did they get the same questions, and did they feel more comfortable answering? I mean, to me, it's a little kind of soft, mentally soft, to not be able to talk about a pizza place and the place you grew up. Like, come on, we're not. It's not nuclear codes or anything like that. What what was the difference in K State talking about New York ans- or answering questions about New York or not answering them, and Tyson yeah. Walker? Yeah, Noel answered questions and was fine about it. The difference, I think, is just who Tyson Walker is. I mean, he's been, you know, I've found for the last two years that he's been relatively guarded. And I don't know if that's just, I mean, it's just kind of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've been around him, that it's no surprise. That, that's It's not like that That was just about these this question. It's just kind of how he is. I don't, I mean, he came from Northeastern, which is a smaller school. And, you know, I, I know Boston's not much of a college town. I heard uh, them say on Spinal Tap, but they, they also they also had a, a lot of other things. I mean, between being a pro sports town, Celtics, you know, you got Boston College, you know, the, Northeastern didn't real, doesn't really register to the same level of coverage that, you know, both regionally and nationally that Michigan State gets. So I don't know how much comfortability there is with Tyson Walker yet with some of those things. He's gotten a little better at times, but I think that's just that's just his personality. It's very, uh, very straightforward, gruff basketball is his thing kind of personality that you see with some guys are like that. Some guys are better in front of the mic and some guys aren't. I think this he's uh, he's he's clearly much better on the court in doing some talking that he's done all year. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to lip read to see what exactly he's saying. But uh, I, I think he does his talking on the court. He's that kind of guy. Why do you, why do you say mentally soft for their most clutch player? I mean, if you can't talk about pizza and stuff and your favorite hangouts in your hometown, I mean, that's not that hard of a question to answer. No, he, yeah, he also, he just he also like said smart. he hasn't been there. For, What's that? He also said he hasn't been there in five years. No, he really. did. He, I mean, he did say he, that. he did a year at prep school. He he did years in bought a couple of years in yeah, Boston. He just doesn't like talking. Like, I don't. I mean, every now and then you come across somebody I, like that. I just stuff yeah, like Kawhi I, Leonard. He's he's he doesn't talk either. Right? He can't stand yeah. it. I mean, some guys are just well, like that. He's also from Long Island, and, you know, in Westbury. So I mean, he's like forty-five minutes out of the city. Even though he was playing at Christ the King, I, I, I think I remember him saying that he was going back. You know, trans uh, traveled back and forth to Christ the King when he was going to high school there before he went to prep school in New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that explains it. That's what my question was. Just like, yeah. if is this just him, or is it one of these? You know, uh, uh, you know, Ari Arian Foster. I'm just here not to get fined. You know, I'm. It's all basketball. I'm just a dude. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hard, and I'm not going to talk about, you know, 
things off the court. I'm focused, you know. Um, I don't so, know if, but it's, if that. it's just who I, he is. I, I don't even think it's that. I, I don't know that he's like, I'm all about basketball. I'm focused and all that. I just, I think he is focused and he, he's really good at basketball, but I don't think the two, one has the other. I, some people just don't like getting in front of a mic, period. It's not because they're worried about, yeah. I'm going to put all my time over here. They just don't like it. You know, you know that, Carlos. Yeah. You've seen that in the Lions. And, sure. And he's just, that's just one of those guys. It's, it's too bad sometimes, you know, especially because in that locker room over the years, there have been so many good talkers. Yeah. Right? Which is yeah. funny because Izzo, right? I mean, he's one of the few guys who opens a locker he room. So he does. So you think that, you know, ask, you know, answering a tough question after tough question from Chris Solari every night would have prepared him for these tough pizza questions. But uh, apparently, uh, apparently not yet. No, he didn't like to talk. But in any case, what uh, so so Chris, what uh, what's your before we take a break? Uh, what's your what's your thought here? They're going to be playing uh, Saturday? You know, I think they are, and I think it. a lot of it has to go with the way. I think Tommy's has talked a lot about how much matchups mean when you get to this point of the year. But I think maybe the thing that helps Michigan State the most is the matchups they had last weekend against USC and Marquette, two teams that run a lot of ball screens, do a lot of similar things to what K-State has been doing to win with their guys. So some of that, I talked to a lot of the guys today about that. A lot of what they were dealing with with those two opponents last week has transferred over into the game plan this week and guarding those ball screens. There's a little difference with guys who will slip out versus guys who will try and cut. Uh, but I do think that the way they handle them, finding that rotation between uh, Mati Sissoko and Carson Cooper in, 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 on the defensive side in the post and getting A.J. Hogard's defense up, up front to be as as sticky as he was because I think you know that's that's changed them with with him being more about pressuring the ball up front and making life hard and carrying that over is going to be the big thing that's been the the one question we've had all year about this team so but i think that Izzo is as dialed in as i've seen him in quite a while and i think everybody else is kind of feeding off that energy what do you think carl how, how much i mean you know and i'm not i'm not trying to like poop on anybody or anything like that but it felt like it, Michigan State got a little lucky in that game against Marquette because they just had an awful first half. It was like two or three points the first seven minutes. They just looked they looked like a JV team. They just looked so discombobulated out there. Um, Michigan State, you know, can't hit a three to save their lives. They A lot of guys get into foul trouble. And you saw Marquette coming back in the second half. That's the Marquette team I think most people thought that you'd see. If they had played anything even close to that, in the first half, they were just such an awful team that, I mean, and Michigan State played good defense. I mean, give them credit for sure. Yeah, the Spartans did what they needed to do, and and that's Izzo, and they were they were composed in that first half. But Marquette really imploded, you know, and it's like if, if Marquette doesn't do that, I think Michigan State has a has a much harder trouble. And it's, you know, that the three-point shooting, right? I mean, for that just to disappear. Now, that's probably an anomaly. Probably not going to happen. Whatever they went two for 16 or whatever it was, you know, that's probably not going to happen again. But... I, it felt like they just got a little bit of a break there for Marquette, just not showing up for a first half. What do you think, Chris? Because I'll well, I, I mean, Michigan State jumped out eighteen five early, and then Marquette fought it back and had it tied at halftime. I think Michigan State went in and made adjustments. I think you saw, but particularly coming out of the break, you saw Michigan State start to pull away a little well, bit. Well, Marquette opened it, it up eight to two. Remember, right? But they they come back once Marquette takes that lead. And the defense locks them down. 
And then you start to see Hogard and Walker attack off the dribble, you know, Walker hitting mid-range shots, Hogard getting to the lane. They had, they had Marquette, I thought, had trouble with some of that, you know. And I do think, though, that, you know, Marquette was struggling to shoot at that point because Michigan State's defense was as good as it's been uh, for those last 12 minutes. And you started to see guys like Malik Hall grabbing that offensive rebound, and you saw the – the, the blocks that Mati Sissoko had. And there were a couple, I think Malik Hall had a couple steals in there as well. So uh, I, I think it was, that was much more to me. The, and and we, we can't talk about that without the job that Jaden Akins and Walker and Hogarth did on the guards for Marquette, particularly Tyler Kolick. I mean, they, they, they shut him down. They, they did. I mean, I, I guess I have a different view of it. It's probably similar to you, Chris. I, I thought that's the best they've looked defensively all year. Yeah. I didn't think Marquette imploded at all. I, those guards... And I asked Gisso about this today. I said, when's the last time you – have you ever had three guards that can play both ends of the floor? And you you heard him, Chris. He said no. He he tried to say Mateen, Charlie Bell, and and, um, Morris Morris Peterson, Peterson, but he was a forward, right? He sort of, yeah, well, he admitted he was a forward. These guards, these three guys get up in you, and I don't think they Marquette imploded at all. That's the best defense I've seen them play. They let up a little bit, and they picked it back up down the stretch. They did, and I thought they did kind of the same thing against USC. I mean, they were having trouble with the the interior passing game when when USC was going block-to-block passing, and they adjusted with Cooper, and all of a sudden that dried up for USC, and USC didn't have a second. No, Boogie Ellis scored what? I mean, he he was the the leading scorer. I don't remember what he finished with for USC. USC, but I don't think that was an accident. I don't think they can keep it up against Kansas State. You know, Noel's a, a, a different kind of player. I mean, he's- well, I'm going to throw one back at Carlos here because you mentioned about experience mattering. How much do you think Tom Izzo's experience versus a first-year coach in Jerome Tang matters in this? Oh, that's and that's the that's the strength, right? I mean, you know, and Sean mentioned Duke with their last uh, what was it, their last title run, or whatever. They had a pretty good coach back then too, I think. So that's that's the huge thing is the coach and what, how the the experience having been there and i think i think that's the the magic of izzo at this point you know getting them getting them to play together composing them when they need to um you know they they just you know taking that time out really late you know that was just a smart move and you can see izzo fired up and i think that's you know basketball is so much about college basketball is so much about the coaching you know and i think knowing that you have izzo and and if you're you know the guy who runs that system who, and they're, they're dedicated to him, to his system, the defense and all that. And, uh, you know, what I think Sean mentioned the thing or someone wrote about, you know, not reaching in, if you reach in, you're going to sit here with me and all this stuff. And, you know, they know, they know who he is. Um, that really matters. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jerome Tang though. I mean, he's, I can't imagine the people that his players don't want to play for this guy. And I mean, you never know. I mean, you, you never know when someone's, when someone's feeling good about themselves, when they have, you know, and every year, you guys know this, you know, every year that relationship between the coach and their their team changes as guys leave, as guys come in, how do they work? And the whole thing about Hogard and Izzo always arguing with each other. And, you know, it's it's a it's a fun, you know, unique dynamic relationship. Um, but, yeah, I think that totally matters. I think that's if there's one advantage that Michigan State has, it's Tom Izzo and them playing Tom Izzo brand basketball and sticking to it. And I think that was the big difference with Marquette was that these guys stuck with it. These guys weren't going to do anything weird. They weren't, they weren't making extra passes or, or dumb plays. They were playing within themselves. And Marquette, you can see, was pressing early. Some of that was the defense, but some of that also was just, I think, 
just making stupid passes and dumb decisions and, you know, weird things um, early on, at least. And they settled down after the half. But uh, yeah, I would say I would say this was the I mean, because, you know, to be honest, like how many how many guys on Michigan State team are like these stars that everybody's scared of these, you know, they don't have any you know, national player of the year candidate or anything. So, um, but they work great as a team, which is what Izzo always does, right? He always has great teams, not these amazing star, you know, Zion Williams type players. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, by and large, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't recruit quite like that, although he's got a class coming in next year. But again, and I think Chris will back me up on this, the, the, the defense that those three guards can play is just different. I just it, it was not Marquette doing anything other than getting dominated. And they, and they talked about it after the game, right? They they had nowhere to go. Walker, Akins, and Hogard, and Hogard is the key because he's not always engaged, right? He's not. He's, that is true. he's not always that focused. But I remember last year in the Big Ten tournament when they played Purdue, he got up into Jaden Ivey, and Ivey was struggling. Yeah, and I was like, wow, this is right. Do you yeah, remember that? He had a little bit of size on him, yeah. Because he's just I, so I, I strong. Will, and, yeah, and and I will say this because, you know, I, I thought Jerome Tang had a, a, a great quote today that he, he said he talked with Izzo on the court and said he wished that him and Tom could play to to see who would move on to the Elite Eight, but that's not how it is. So what it's going to come down to, who has more dudes, right? And Kansas, we get State back might, to that. Kansas State might. I don't know how much Izzo helps him in this game. You know, as Izzo pointed out today, and this is longer than the thing at Michigan State, he tells his players, you get you get me the first game, meaning, you know, Thursday or Friday game, and I'll get you the second on the short turnaround with yep. the prep. That's where he really comes in. But who knows? But I, I do want to talk a little bit more about about, about Izzo, what the Sweet 16 meant, um, because it felt like it was a while. But we need to get quick, quick first, uh, uh, a break first. Sorry, I'm tongue-tied here. And, uh, and let our producer do his thing, work his magic, and uh, run some ads or whatever. And then we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Shaw. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Let's, uh, fellas, let's talk about about Izzo for a second. I know we're just talking about his prep and his turnaround, but did he need this? Did he need this Sweet Sixteen? I mean, he he hadn't been in the last two, um, but the year before he had a team that was a Final Four worthy team for sure, and COVID shut that down. There's something about the time bend, the time warp of COVID that made it yes. feel like he had not been in the second round. I mean, but technically he hadn't been. He hadn't been in, in since 2019, so almost four years or whatever. But Yeah, and that was the only time he had been to the second weekend in a couple of since, years. The tw- since the 2015 final. Exactly. Four, right? So it just, you could feel the antsiness in the fan base. And it just, I really think COVID changed it. But, but what do you guys think? Did, did, did he need... To get not because he was going to lose his job or anything ridiculous like that, but just you know, people start getting worried a little bit, you know, or say, "Oh, maybe it's time for him to retire." Do you, do you guys think he needed this second weekend this year? No, I think that's kind of the thing that a columnist makes up so he can write a column saying that Izzo need this. No, uh, well, you no, don't. You don't Tom, know any Michigan State people do or follow Michigan State Tom Twitter or have Izzo. any people. What's that? He's Tom Izzo. Chris, he's, he, Chris, he's okay. I'm going to have a statue at the at the school. It doesn't. Chris, yeah, can you explain it. the nuance to him? How how antsy no, part of this about, fan no, no, base no, no. was? But are you talking about Izzo or are you talking about the program? Because those are two different things. I'm talking about people Izzo. want that team to win. I'm talking about. I'm talking. I think Izzo. Uh, oh come because, on! How? Oh my god! Because this I think is, a lot. Of, I don't know how much longer I keep f- doing this, Chris. I, 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 I'm trying <laughs> to be patient. Trying to be kind. 
but at some point there's got to be an understanding of the community we live in. Okay, go ahead, Chris. I got it off my chest. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a vocal contingent. How big of a contingent is the That's question. question. There were a vocal contingent that were questioning whether or not Tom Izzo was too stubborn for not going into the portal, uh, too stubborn for running the same sets, too stubborn for this, that, whatever. You know, and I, I, it's a wrong perception because I feel like Izzo has adapted and adjusted a lot over the course of the last few. I mean, the 2019 Final Four run, you look at that team, they adapt, adapted and adjusted first to Josh Langford's injury, then the Nick Ward's injury midseason. That's where Xavier Tillman blossomed that year to the point where they started bringing Nick Ward off the bench when he did get healthy. So Izzo's shown he's an adaptable coach. Um, this obviously, is, it's just a different world. And I think you're right, Sean. I mean, the, the perception in the time warp of, of not having that 2020 team play it out, I think has changed some things. Because, I mean, that you know, they had a very good team that very, you know, I think projected from bracket matrix, it looked like it was going to be a three seed or maybe a two seed in that tournament. Um, I think you also had, you know, how that 16 season ended with a very highly ranked team uh, bowing out to Middle Tennessee. That's been on fans' minds. The Syracuse loss in Detroit. Ben Carter. Bridges and Jaron Jackson. Well, if everybody wants to think that Ben Carter was the reason and not the, the three-point shots not falling that he set them up for, so be it. But that I mean, but those are the things that have built. So it hasn't been just like a singular thing that, that you know, the, these fans are are getting frustrated with. But now you, you've got, particularly with a team that even Izzo has said isn't his most talented team, and he's got him into the Sweet 16. I mean, it, it had been kind of in some ways, I don't know if, I don't want to say taken for granted that this team program was getting to all those Sweet 16s, but this is 15th Sweet 16 in 25 straight NCAA tournament. Think about that. That's 15 out of 25 that they made it to the second weekend. That's an insane number. And I do, though, think that there's probably a little bit of concern of whether or not he was losing his fastball, whether or not he was going down a Mark D'Antonio path uh, towards the end of his coaching career. And I'll tell you, the one thing Izzo has always said is if he can't take a red-eye to recruit from Vegas to get back and coach his team or something along those lines, uh, then he knows it's time. But it, I mean, this guy's got a ball of energy still. And you, all you had to do was see his reaction to Malik Hall getting that offensive rebound. Uh, sometimes I think he's concerned about whether or not his methods of coaching, whether or not his, his voice and the things that he says are resonating. He said that it, yesterday, it, didn't he, Chris? It goes, it goes back to the A.J. Hogard thing, I think, sometimes. He acknowledged that yesterday, right? Yes. One of the reasons he, he was crying when I asked him. I asked him yesterday. Yes. He said a million reasons, but one of them was that they won – in the way he thinks he can win. All right, uh, Carlos, I'm afraid to ask, but uh, uh, we need to. What do, what do you think? Did Izzo need this? No, he didn't need it. I mean, I think I think it's it's all about the the bar he has set. Like Chris says, all those all those appearances. I mean, that's you 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 become subject, you know, uh, to the standards you set, and rightfully so. I mean, there's people. Un unfortunately, Sean, I actually do know people who are Michigan State graduates and uh, and fans. Um, and so they expect a lot from the rap program and rightfully so. I mean, he's, he's as famous of a coach as you will find in Michigan. I mean, he's a hall of famer already. They're going to have a statue of him outside of Breslin at some point, you know, it's just, 
he's that team. And yeah, I mean, you want them. And I think a lot of this time, what do you, you guys keep writing your stories and your columns about, you know, first since 2019, first, to, you know, Sweet 16 in 2019. That's not really fair because, you know, COVID wiped out 2020. So it's really, if you were writing first since, since 2020, it wouldn't feel as bad. But you're since you're writing 19, like, wow, that seems like a long time ago. But a whole year was lost. And like you said, Chris, I mean, he was they were going to be a two or three seed. I mean, they were damn good that year. And that's always going to be the... The, the thing we didn't know is how good could that have team have been? It could have been a Final Four team. But this isn't, I mean, you want to see it. And I think that's what you guys are talking about is absolutely true is, is does he feel he's lost it? I mean, there's always that. And that's healthy, that introspection of, am I still connecting? Am I still doing what I need to do? Am I still, you know, now I, I don't know about this vocal minority that wants the transfer portal because obviously it's worked so well for Mel Tucker. You know, that's just championship after championship for the Spartans football team. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question. I think you would see it. I think there was problems in that program. If it was cratering, cratering from within, if they, they couldn't beat anybody, if they're losing at home to, to, to bad teams and not, not getting into the tournament, you know, that'd be another question, Well, you know, but you don't see that right now. Mm-hmm. You just don't see that ladder, that that sustained high level of these runs in the tournament that people really want. They want Final Fours every year. Yeah, but I don't know that they expect it every year. I, I think uh, they expect it. Every, who doesn't know the 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 you know the fan base now? They expect the Final Four every year out of Izzo. Every year. I, I, no, I will I, say. They're, 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 I will say savvier yeah, than that. That means. Sorry, Chris. One sec. They're savvier yeah. than that. They understand. No team does that. Fans are fans are ridiculous, and they don't. They have no sense they're, to them. They're of capable. Fanatic, of course, they're no, capable. They're, they're not analysts. They're fanatics. No, they're, of course they can be ridiculous or whatever with their emotion, but they understand that they're not going to get there every year. If he had lost to Marquette or to USC, because USC wasn't a bad team either, there would absolutely be a narrative because to your point, Chris, they hadn't been since 15. So that'd be once in eight years, right? Now you can toss out the COVID year and it's totally fair to say since 2019 because every time I wrote it or anybody else wrote it, they mentioned this season ended with COVID. So it was always in the context of that. But that doesn't. They did hang a banner in 2020. Right, right. But that doesn't change how it feels to people, and that's what matters, right? That's what matters. Not necessarily reality of it, but how it feels to people. That would have been one second weekend in eight years if they had. And you can better believe he felt the pressure. That's partly why he was crying over the weekend. Well, and And he he cries because he's Tom Izzo. He cries about everything. This Iowa. No, people were surprised he cried after the first round, Chris. Right. Listen, the, the Iowa game was a big deal. And I think from a public's perception as well as an internal perception looking back, because, I mean, Tom Izzo doesn't go up to the podium after making the Sweet 16 and talk about that Iowa game and the collapse of losing a 13-point lead in the last two minutes and 11-point lead in the last minute with all the three-point shooting. And, the, you know, there were questions of him not fouling at the end of that game. Why didn't he foul? Um, you know, all these little things that built up and that one in particular, I think, was the one that really just kind of, you know, you would hurt it, and then it started to get a little louder. And then they start playing well, and they start scoring more points, and they're, you know, they're having their ups and downs still, and they're not guarding anybody. And then all of a sudden, you, you don't hear those voices now once they start turning those things around and start winning the games. And it, listen, everybody talks about basketball being a game of runs. Sometimes those runs are games at a time. Sometimes those runs are a couple games at a time. Um, the the run that they need right now is, I think, partly why Izzo is important for this because he has been there and he has seen what this team has done at the highest level on both ends of the court. 
and he needs them to be able to put it together. And that's that's on him to to get them in the mindset to get there, to get get done what they did in that end of season stretch offensively, pair it with the defense they played last weekend and uh, for most of the season. And that's where I, that's where I, I struggle to, to see what the ceiling for this team can be because those are they are elite at times when it comes to things like that, even without much talent. Um, that's why I don't know really what to expect. I, I, I said that going into the the first weekend of the tournament too. But when you see the resolve and the, the resiliency and the lessons they learned from that Iowa game that Izzo has talked about so much, now he he kind of brushed it aside in the moment, which is what a good coach needed to do because he knew that how fragile that team would have been. And then they come out in that Nebraska game and nearly do the same thing out of the gate and put together a magnificent second half to get to avoid having the mental collapse. That may, I mean, that Iowa game was more important than I think a lot of people realize for Izzo, for the program, and for that fan base to get to move on from that. Well, so Carlos, uh, look, for, I want to make I want to make sure this is clear to everybody. I don't think he needed it for his job. Obviously, he didn't need the second week for his job. He's like you say, he's going to have a statue there. It was just the perception of it. By the way, they played their that, that's the thing about that Iowa game is they played as well as they probably played all year up until those last two minutes, right? On on the road yeah. in a place nobody had won all well, season. Against they'd the, given up 80 points at that point still, though. What's that? They'd still given up about 80 points. No, because they, 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 weren't quite, they weren't quite checking, but Iowa was also yeah. just on fire that game, obviously. But the other thing, too, is that you just said they don't have much talent. You know, I'm not sure I – Joey Hauser is as good a shooter as there is in college basketball. Tyson Walker is one of the best two-way guards in college basketball. Jade Nakins, who missed the summer with foot surgery and so on and so forth, he's starting to come along. Hogard, to me, if he's going to play like he did last weekend, is the best two-way point guard in the Big Ten, right? I mean, maybe, maybe not complete offensive game. He can hit an open shot. But the way he can control the floor and the way he can get up in you. So are these guys, you know, leaguers? Probably not. So that's why we say that. But relative to college basketball, you know, they're not completely bereft of talent, even though Izzo likes to say that. He says that all the time, though. You don't need leaguers. You need leaders at this point in the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, saying he's the best uh, two-way point guard of the Big Ten isn't saying a lot because it's probably the most overrated conference in college basketball, right? I mean, uh, so so here's a question, right? Is has he done enough getting just to the Sweet 16? Even if they if they lose to Mar- to uh, K State, is the heat off or if the, any whatever you want to say? Has he done enough to kind of like settle the fan? The base conversation and, does it settle down? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, has he done enough? He's gotten the only Big Ten team to get to. That's the a great weekend, question. Right? What do you? Well, I'm curious. What you? That's a great question, Carlos. Because on the Thank one you. hand, yes. Because and the team talked about this before the postseason, before Chicago. Actually, they had a goal. Their goal this year. Now they have lots of goals, but they're. I remember Joey Hauser in particular talking about they wanted to get Izzo to a second weekend. They felt it. They wanted to be there. None of them had been there. They wanted it for themselves and for. And I thought about that. I thought, okay, now that they're there, are they going to relax in the wrong way? I, I don't know. On the other hand, to your point, Carl, now that they're here for the fan base, well, okay, we're here. Let's get to the Final Four, right? So you, you get greedy. So which is it? What, what 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 do you guys think? Is it enough? Because I no, it's still I kind of think it's seven seed. It's still a seven seed playing with house money. I do think that there is, I think, a lot of that from the fans that have kind of backed off. Like I said, I mean, you don't hear the same chirping. No, and you believe don't. me, I heard it, I heard it in my email for 
for weeks. Me too. Um, and, you know, it does come down to Hogard. I mean, it, it, you don't want to pin it all on one person. No, but it does. It does. You, you know, you, but you also saw what happens. You know, five guys can't hit a three-pointer, but you get that point guard going to the basket. The and then all of a sudden, different things happen when he's not – when he's taking the coaching from the coach and translating it to the players on the floor. Chris, tell, tell, tell Carlos what Hozar, Hogard, Joey Hauser said about – Hogard, I don't know if you were there in the locker room after the Marquette game. When I was asking him about Hogard, he said he can take us as far as he wants to take us. It's up to him. Yeah, I wasn't there for that one, but that's not a surprise. I mean, everybody that we've talked to, I mean, the guys that him, Hogard and Walker in particular, because listen, three-point shots are going to fall. They're not going to fall. Sometimes that happens. I mean, they've struggled three games in a row now from the arc. You know, the Ohio State game, then the two games in Columbus. Um, what's been there, um, what's been the change between Ohio State in the last two weekends are the defense and the offensive attack into the paint but from the from the point, you know, whether it be Hogard, whether it be, I mean, there were back-to-back possessions in that game against Marquette that helped seal it with first Walker going and leaning into contact and finishing with the left hand, then Hogard comes at you, drives down the right side and finishes through contact. I mean, how many teams in America have two guys that can do that to you from the point and to have the ball skills to be able to kick it out for an open three if it's there on top of it? That's what makes this team what do you dangerous. Think, so what, what's your thought, Carlos, to your good question? What's your answer? I think I think that they're I think he's done enough. I think getting him the second weekend and and in the context of being the only Big Ten team that did it. Um, and also part of it is, I mean, I don't not not a huge number of the fan base is going to travel to New York. But being in New York, I think like, hey, we're in New York. You know, this is pretty amazing. Uh, I think people are going to be happy with that. You know, Madison Square Garden, it doesn't get better than that. So uh, that context matters a little bit. Um, now, it, it's also if you beat K-State, uh, but you lose to FAU somehow, uh, then that's maybe a little bit different of a, of a letdown. But uh, Sweet 16, I mean, I think that's that's probably enough to just say, hey, we and especially if this game is close, you know, even if they don't win, um, you know, how I, like like we've said, there's no there's no amazing star on this team, the talent, whatever you want to talk about, but they play really well together, you know. They have they do have enough talent um, to do this. Is the, the the thing I think, Chris, you've kind of mentioned this. You don't know how far this 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 team can lose by, you know, fifteen to K State, or they can get to the final. They can they can play in the championship game. I mean, it's like you just don't know where this team is going to be. They have that kind of weird potential. Um, With the right matchup, too. I have, a really, I have a really important question for both of you. And this comes from Grant Couch. We started a little Chernobyl on Twitter the other day uh, with this kind of, you know, how Grant likes to throw out these, you know, declarative <laughs> opinions on Twitter. And he said, uh, so, so here's, here's the question is, Michigan State's the seventh seed, right? KC's the third seed. What's the upset? If Michigan beats K-State, is that an upset? Because Michigan State is actually favored by the betters in Vegas. They're like a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And Graham's contention is if you're the betting favorite, you're the favorite. It doesn't matter what the seed is. I mean, he's not wrong on that, especially in this world we live in where betting is now uh, the big topic. It's no longer a taboo topic. That'll be the expectation to to, to some degree, although I think the fans ultimately will remember, Michigan State fans, that they were still the lower seed. So, 
you know, by the way, it's funny because I was joking, Carlos, with a couple of people. I've, I've written obviously a lot about Michigan State and Izzo lately, and I wrote a column the other day just about what he's done with this team. And you you, you get done, and you're like, and it was a you know just sort of sort of a I hate to use this word, but you, it's a glowing column in a lot of ways. And it's weird because you're talking about a statue and all that, and it's been an up and down year. But when you when you look at what he just did, and you start thinking about the numbers and what they and Chris knows this, what they accomplished when they beat Marquette, excuse me, what Izzo did, he set the record for the most wins in the his, history of the NCAA tournament as a lower seed. That is radical. It is right. That means when, that means, it is when you think of where this program is gone. That's just and radical. It's, been, it's just it, and it's been up. But that comes in, and it's I, I say the same thing about college football, right? We get to the end of October and the beginning of November, and college football fans have an amnesia, right? They think whoever's on the top of the poll or whoever's at the top of the standings at, at that point um, are going to win it all, forgetting completely how chaotic November always is in college football. The same thing, I think, happens with Michigan State basketball fans, Um the, the roller coaster ride through a Big Ten season is tough because these teams know each other. And listen, when you're the dean of Big Ten coaches, they have 28 years of film on you, right? And many of those coaches have been there for a number of years, so teams know how to play against you. Um, and yet they were still winning Big Ten titles. Up, you know, they won that 2020 Big Ten title share of it. So, you know, what are we talking? We were talking about a two-year Big Ten title dip. Right. You know, 21, uh, 22 and 23. So three years now they haven't won a Big Ten title. But now look at this team. Right. I mean, you know, this was, you know, this is, I think, the amnesia of the Michigan State fan base kind of coming back around. And say, oh, yeah, Tom Izzo can do this at this time of the year. And <laughs> it, it's it, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it, it really is because I think I, I've seen this. I, I, mean, I think back to the, the year that they went as a seven seed. You know, people were frustrated with that team and they were kind of limping in and they get a seven seed. What happens? They end up winning in Syracuse and, and going off to the final four in Indy that year. And then kind of so, losing to losing to hung around with Duke for half of the semis and just yeah. lost at a better talent. We were talking about that. Team and then, there's not a team. There's not a team like that Duke. With team, four pros like that? Uh yeah. I, I, you know, Alabama's close. I mean they they have the best player in the and game. They, and they've already played Alabama. They played Alabama out in turn without out and, uh without Hall and Akins if if yeah, I remember. Without Hall and Akins. And serious. they also they also have played if they are able to get through Kansas State. They've played Tennessee in a closed scrimmage, and we're right there with them uh, before the year without Aikens. So, but but you but, know, but Carlos, there's some familiarity Carlos, with you, teams that are out. What there. do you think about that? I mean, it's, it's like the old. And I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but I can't remember the quote. I'm going to paraphrase here. I think it was Bear Bryant. Maybe it was somebody else. But that old coach is saying, "I can beat you with mine, and then I can beat you with yours." <laughs> and that's what I think of that when I think about his record-setting number of wins. As a lower seed, he rarely loses when he's the favorite. Now, obviously, Middle Tennessee State is the one that everybody remembers the last decade, but um, maybe Syracuse too would probably be right behind that. Yeah, but uh, although that There's team, something, I mean, that team got the final four. But what do you think of that, Carl?s Just in terms of what it says about your your legacy and your your tenure. I mean, it says a lot, and I think there's there's sports in in college, especially where teams know how to be how to win in the postseason. That's all. That's all coaching. I mean, uh, you know, as you know, 
Sean, I went to Cal State Fullerton, and that's a baseball school. And a good there one. are many times where we that school has not been, you know, necessarily the most talented or the whatever, you know, but they know how to win in the postseason. They've been there so many times that it's never a shock for that team to make a run and to get to the College World Series, whatever it is. And the same thing in basketball, you know. I mean, I think football is a little bit different, but that that high intensity playoff atmosphere, you know, all the extra timeouts, the TV stuff, you, you, when you've been there, you know how to do it. You prepare yourself, you have that legacy in your program, you know, you, you get it. Um, so it's not, it's nothing new. You're built for the postseason. I think, I think Tom Mizzo is been built for the postseason. So like to Chris's point, you know, uh, these not a ton of big 10 titles necessarily all the time, you know, but, he knows how to win when it counts. He does. We we need to get Chris out of here the, the, real quickly. Um, the the thing I'd say about the, the flip side, and so this is where Izzo gets some criticism, is that he hadn't had the recruiting classes because he gets to the Final Four and runs into more talent generally, right? And so that, but that, but that's a different question, a different discussion. But uh, we need to get Chris. Uh, you know what? I will say this though, because they do have that class coming in next year. This year was at least from some people in the fan base was always thought of a, a, a stopgap year continue the streak, move on, you know, whatever happens, happens. What if they're not as good I think I, now that they're actually, well, that's all. I've been thinking about the, that. That's possible. That's possible when you have a younger team, right? But I will say this. You've got a more experienced team right now. You're in the Sweet 16. Um, I, I'll kind of echo what A.J. Hogarth and some of those guys said. Why not us, right? I mean, you know, they've got the pieces. Can they put them together? That's, I mean, if they do like last weekend, I think they can – Somehow make it to Houston, and we'll all be stunned. College uh, is college basketball is weird like this. They lose Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges to the pros, and they're better yep. next year, and they go to the Final Four because they put the ball in Winston's hands, right? And and Tillman right. turns into just the best big big man defender in, a, in the country. You just don't know. But uh, in any case, thanks for joining us, man. I'm glad I could. Yeah, we're, it's we're, been a while. We're, we're, it's been a minute. And- yeah, we're glad to have you. We, we know you got to get back to your beat. Uh, and get back to your analysis. Any last parting thoughts for uh, our friend here, Carlos? No, just hope uh, hope it all works out for Chris and he gets to go to Houston and uh, get a get a ride in first class with Jill Rex already knew, Sean. Well, he'll uh, yeah be sitting in traffic in Houston. A lot of good food down there, though. So, all right, look, let's take one more quick break and uh, come back and wrap this show up. Thanks again, Chris. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, it's our duty to say a couple of words here about the Lions and free agency before we wrap this show up. You and I wrote uh, columns. I don't remember what I wrote about. You wrote that they're going to be terrible next year. But anyway, what uh, what do you think of their free agency man- manu- maneuvers, moves, signings so far? Um, I think that they've been, uh, you know, they've been cautious you know that's this is this is brad holmes you know he's not gonna this is his mo he doesn't want to go out and spend a boatload of money on the top free agents on the market you know he believes in building to the draft that's a solid philosophy um and my my contention is only that you know this year is their year this is the year in which they will they will never be or foreseeably be set up to win the division and make a run like they are this year. The division's weak, and Rodgers is leaving it. Um, 
you know, they're on the upswing. I think this is when you got to sort of take a little bit more of a of an aggressive approach in free agency. Um, they made some good moves. I mean, I I don't dislike any of the moves that they've made, um, but I wish they just would have been a little bit more um, aggressive. Um, I wish they'd signed, and this is not a free agency move, a free agent per se, but Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback from the Rams, I wish that they'd signed him or traded for him. Um, he ends up going to Miami. It, the total cost was a third rounder and a nobody tight end because the, cap, the Rams needed to clear cap space. And of all the connections that the Lions have to the Rams, you would think that they would have been able to swing the trade for Jalen Ramsey, future probably future Hall of Famer. So, um, but but they still set themselves up. They still set themselves up to be better, especially defensively. Um, so they they made some moves, and I think they're going to lean on the draft and seeing some more development from their younger players. You know, take a step. But um, that defense needs a lot of help. And um, I wish they'd just done a little bit more um, and been a little bit more aggressive. Um, but hey, Brad Brad Holmes has done well in the draft, so maybe he can, you know, strike gold for a third straight year and uh, and and get what he needs. That'd be something. What do you think? I mean, that'd be. It something. would be. I mean, how many how many GMs go three? I, w- I remember last year doing a doing a piece where I looked at the drafts over the last twenty years of, of different teams, and and there are very very few instances where a team. Goes three straight years with finding you know starters and good starters, uh, above level starters, that kind of thing. Seattle did to set up their Super Bowl run. They had yeah. I think three straight really good drafts, getting a couple of pros and that sort of thing. Um, so it's really tricky to do, but we'll see. I mean, I guess he deserves the benefit of the doubt until he until he starts drafting, having drafts where if he doesn't produce like he just has. But yeah, I like the moves. I mean, it, the Ramsey thing. I, I I feel like there's a reason that he got a third round. He, you know that he was worth the third round. There's something out there. There's something the league is leery of. Um, maybe it's that he's just going to be. He's just going to come and and want more money or whatever at the end of his contract. I don't know, but you feel like whenever that happens, something happened. Um, or maybe it's just the tape of him last year, and people think the falling off in the production a little bit. So I, I, who knows? So I I don't know. I I know that uh, Cam Sutton, who they got as a quarterback from Pittsburgh. It probably isn't ever going to be what Ramsey was at his his peak, and maybe Ramsey has a second peak. I don't know, but um, but he's certainly an upgrade, right? So uh, it's not hard to have an upgrade, but yeah, no, no, yeah. for sure, it's it's all relative. But no, I think they made some smart moves. I think their defense is probably a little bit better, and they're counting on the young guys, and then maybe getting a little help in the draft. And I I think they really want this to be sustainable. They didn't want to give up even a third round pick. Um, they didn't want to give up too much of their cap space. Uh, maybe they feel like they need some maneuverability, some flexibility is the better word, down the road in case they need a quarterback of some kind, take a swing at a quarterback, take a swing whether the draft or – I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, what's happening with Aaron Rodgers? That can, I mean, he's not, obviously. But in prime, high-level quarterbacks don't become available very often. So who knows? But I just – you're right. They want to build through the draft. They've gotten better the last couple of years, and – um you know, there, it is kind of an interesting spot because the quarterback was really good and you don't know if it's sustainable, but they're banking on that, at least for this year. I completely agree with you about one in the North. And um, I don't know that they needed a big splashy free agent to do that. They weren't that, uh, you know, they were pretty close this past year. Maybe you could argue, you know, a little bit more help defensively and they win a couple of those games when they were going, when they started one and six. Miami comes to mind, oddly enough, right? That game. So, yeah. 
Well, I think that you're, I mean, the, the Ramsey thing, you know, he gets there and they, they sign him to a three-year, like 50, $55 million contract or whatever. So you wanted a contract extension, the cap space for the ramp, you know what I mean? And hey, you know, I'm sure that Brad Holmes knows Jalen Ramsey pretty well. Maybe they know the tape. Maybe they see something that we don't see, um, you know, but I still think that, uh, you know, he, he didn't. Right now, I would I would be willing to wager that Ramsey's better than Cam Sutton. You know, he, I mean, he um, very well might be for sure. And 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 it could be wrong about that. It could be they sign these guys, you know, and and they're going to be perfectly fine. But I think that you know, free agency. We've seen it enough with the Lions played over the years. You know, when they got guys, they they've missed on free agents, obviously. But when you've gotten guys like uh, Golden Tate. You know, Glover Quinn, guys like that in the past, you know, Kyle Vandenbosch, you know, when, you, when you've gotten these more, you know, close to the top of the market guys who've made a big, you know, difference, a big contribution. Um, one thing, you know, you're talking about games you look at, well, you know, look at that Carolina game. That Carolina game at the end of the season when they lose, they shouldn't have lost to that team. Uh, that was a team, that was a game where, you know, you can't point on a one, pinpoint on one little thing, but you know who they missed in that game? T.J. Hawkinson. They missed a Pro Bowl tight end. You know, they, they were struggling. Their tight ends did not play well that game. They're not great tight ends at this point. Rock right. I mean, you know, and T.J. Hawkinson that same day, he's got, he gets two touchdowns and 100 yards to the Vikings. They could have used that kind of production. They win that game and they're in the playoffs. So I'm not sure quite. Or if the linebackers where, are better spots, <laughs> right? I mean, you could say that too. I mean, you can go back and forth all day long. I'm just saying they had this piece, this this piece, this elite player. And I think you still need elite players to make the difference, you know, in close games. Um, and I think that's where it's always great to think that you're going to build this sustainable team, this, you know, bunch of uh, you're going to find gold in the third round and draft guys who are going to be great. And I'm on Rossi and Browns and whatever, uh, you know, if you can keep that going. Um, you know, more power to you. It's it's hard to keep that going to find those nuggets um, and to be really selective in free agency, to be so just judicious and careful about how you construct this team and win at a high rate. You know, and I think right now, like we've talked about this a lot, Ben Johnson, he's here for this year. I If they make the playoffs, there's just no way he's going to be around you know he's going to be the, the that that offense is going to be should be even better and i by the way i liked the whole uh david montgomery over jamal williams uh deal and that was one where they committed you know whatever they signed to a three-year deal or something you know um to me they're approximately the same player montgomery's got more versatility um but i like that signing i like that that was one of their declarative you know the chauncey uh gardner johnson one also was more of a declarative signing you know but but the Johnson one I like, or the the Montgomery one I like, because I think he's he's probably an upgrade over Jamal Williams. Yeah, so, we'll see. Yeah, right. Potentially I, more I, versatile. I mean, right. More versatile. I like his. I mean, I've seen him play enough with the Bears. You know, like uh, he's, it, he's it, a tough runner good, too. You know, he is. Yeah, two two very good tough runners helps make up for any deficiencies that we might see from Jamal or uh, DeAndre Swift, and whether he's available or not in his injury history. But um, so I. They, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything bad. But I don't think that you could look at them and just say, wow, they made a big leap in free agency. They're really going for it. You know, and I think one of the things, what did Brandt Holmes say? One of the things at the end of his end of season press conference was, 
well, someone asked, yeah, it was Burkett actually asked him about the quarterback and you take a look at drafting a quarterback. And he said, well, you know, I'll tell you what, it's a lot, e- it's really easy to get a lot worse at quarterback than it is to get better. And that kind of speaks to his cautious nature a little bit of, I don't want to make the wrong move, but it's going to be hard to make the right move when you're scared of making the wrong move all the time. So um, this may very well play out. Maybe Brad Holmes is, uh, you know, has the, the secret, the cheat code on on NFL uh, personnel wisdom. Who knows? Um, but who knows? It's, right? It's, they're going to have to have a really good draft for defense, especially especially in linebacker. Uh, I, I, do you really think he's make scared? Though I, I don't. I don't think he's scared. I mean, he took a swing uh, last year in the draft and moved up to get a second first round pick to take a guy who. <laughs> towards ACL we don't the national championship the national semis yeah right yeah, so we don't know which to me that was a, a bit of ri- that was a bit true. risky that was risky yes he right? took a swing so I, I, absolutely I, I don't that's know. true that uh, was really risky I mean I you know according to some folks I guess it which depends on what you believe all right we're gonna we're gonna definitely get into more football talk over the next few weeks we've got uh, the draft is is out there a bit um we can uh Get some get some people in here, some more experts to talk about the lines and some of these moves and philosophies and who they might take in the draft. And we'll get Dave Burkett back in here because he'll probably have 10, 11 mock drafts at that point. <laughs> so that's that'll that, that'll that'll be great. But we need to uh, we need to get y'all out of here. We need to we need to get out of here. We got some uh, some stuff to go cover. Uh, so I think it's time to to what, what do we call that segment? Oh, Carlos, our favorite, my favorite, Sean's thing, favorite, thing. favorite thing. Sean, no, it's Carlos's favorite thing. Sean's favorite thing that he steals from Carlos every week. All right. Well, Sean, my favorite thing this week is uh, probably closely or close to your heart, actually, is getting to travel a little bit and going down to Florida. This is actually a couple weeks ago, but since I missed last week, uh, I've been saving it up. But uh, as you know, it was it was uh, spring training's fun to kind of be at. It's a, it's a different animal um, than almost anything else we cover in sports. People are kind of looser and you know they're still working the kinks out everybody has a little bit of time to kill because nobody's at home you're there for a long time i was there for about a week and so it was just a lot of fun to be in the warmth and see some old guys like uh, jim leland hanging around and and uh you know chatting with our buddy dan dickerson on the field and just it's just a kind of a a unique uh experience to uh to have that time and since it's, it feels like forever since we've had baseball season so to be in the warmth, go to Michigan in the cold and snow, to suddenly you're in Florida, it's 80 degrees, and everybody's wearing shorts and hanging out and chit-chatting. Uh, it, it's a fun time. And I always tell this, you know, if you're a Tigers fan or baseball fan, go down to spring training, you know, make a little uh, pilgrimage for a week or so. You can hit a bunch of ballparks. It's a, it's a cool atmosphere. So highly recommend it. So my favorite thing that week. Yeah, no, that sounds great. You're right. Spring training is... Uh... It's fun. Just the pace, right? It's it's just the pace. Yeah. And a lot of folks uh, that come to the games are either on vacation or retired, and that that adds to it for sure. It's uh, it's 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 a party, but not not like a serious. It's not like opening day where people are getting, but uh, you know, hammered, right? But um, but yeah, it's just it's just chill <laughs> and warm. Well, and, if you go up to the outfield berm, the left field, at, yeah, right, at right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's chill and, <laughs> and there's hope and and all that sort of thing. Um, I, w- I would say for me, uh, this past week was, was sitting courtside and, uh, where were, where were we? Oh, Columbus. I'm starting to get confused. Columbus, Ohio at the nationwide arena, hockey arena for your heart, Carlos, <laughs> watching Marquette and, and Michigan state from, um, you know, a few feet away, even though I was at, a, I, I was at a tournament game 
a few of them last year. Michigan actually got to the Sweet 16 last year. You just sometimes they just forget. And that game, even though it was second round game for the right to get to the Sweet 16, felt like uh, a regional final game to me. And from the very tip, it, there was just an intensity, um, and there was tension from from right away. And Marquette's a really really good team, and and the fact that Michigan State kind of met that and and. I, you know, going into the game, I, I was rooting for a competitive game. I didn't, whatever the sport is, I think it's fun when it's a competitive game. And plus, it's, you know, selfish. It's, it's, it makes for interesting stuff to write about. But just, just feeling that up close, um, watching, you know, watching the plays get made down the stretch, that was, that was fun. But just that, that intensity, you know, it, it, sometimes it's easy to take for granted what we do. And, um, you know, then you then you get and sit and you witness something like that. And it's funny because Izzo talked about after the game that that was as intense uh, a game as he'd been in, in in a long, long time. Also contributing to him kind of breaking down the way he did, including, you know, Joey Hauser broke down. But um, they just really felt that. But just when, Carl, so you're talking about spring training, well, I would say that, you know, as somebody that loves basketball, but just in general, a sporting competition, when when it reaches that level, where there's that kind of focus and engagement, it's uh, it's really breathtaking to watch when you're up close. So that was by far my favorite thing. That's a fun. We've talked about that before the the tournament. There's just nothing like it in sports, and that's another one, right? If you haven't been there as a fan, you need to go to a. NCAA it's true, and they're not all the. Yeah, and it's true, and not all. I've been to plenty of tourney, tournament games over the years, and most of them aren't quite like that one. That one was just. I mean, the deeper you get, they are. Final fours are weird because they're in football stadiums and it's, there's tension. But actually, yeah. you feel the tension of a Final Four more watching on TV, in my opinion. But there's something about a regional final or even a regional semi. So we should feel that way here in, at Madison Square Garden with the Michigan State plays Kansas State. But there's just something about it's that regional final feel. And that I don't know why, but Shaka Smart, Marquette's coach, talked about the same thing. For whatever reason, that game had it. And it, they don't always that early in the tournament, but that one did. So I was grateful. No, did right. I lose you? That's that's uh, look. You're I look forward to more by experiences my like that for you. You're blown away by my words. Yeah, I'm sure you are. All right, all right. I was my moved man, to cheers like Hauser and Izzo. Sorry, what's that? I was moved to cheers like Hauser and Izzo. So I was moved to cheers. You don't often see a you don't often see a, a college a basketball player break down like that after a second round game but it just sort of speaks to his journey but anyway we we, we talked about that we want to go back down to go back down that road we're trying to get out of here and uh, you got stuff to do I need to go finish writing and um, but I'm glad you're back I'm glad you're feeling better and who do we need to who do we need to thank besides the listeners of course I think our producer Robin Chan who's put up with us long enough um, and uh, who else our executive producers Kirkland Crawford Actually, he's our only executive producer now, right? And Anjana Delgado, interim editor of the Free Press. I guess she's an executive producer as well. So, uh, but mostly, Sean, we got to thank the fans. But they got to know how to find this show. Where do they find it? Wherever you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, when you get there, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a shout, give us a comment if you like. Uh, we, we welcome all of it. Until next time, uh, we'll be right back not right back but until next time when we are back with more free press sports with Carlson Sean. Mm-hmm.